Hey, friends and lovers. Yes, I'm on a 70s and 80s soft rock listening binge right now. I have been for a while, and I don't care who knows it. So, welcome back. I'm Amber, and this is The Well Podcast. Because every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. But I can't fight this feeling anymore. And don't worry, because love will keep us together. And I love you guys just, just the way you are. Okay, fine. I'll stop. I'm done. I promise. We've had a big change this month at the Well Live event. We have had such a great turnout that we moved downstairs to a larger space to accommodate more guests. Isn't that fantastic? So we have more room for even more friends. If you haven't checked out our live event yet, please do. I encourage you, come on. Bring a friend, take a road trip, give us a shout, and let us know you're coming. Or if you stumbled across this podcast and you just want to come and check it out, come on. We got plenty of people that want to meet you. This month, we are going to meet a friend and see what happens when you believe all those little lies in your head. She's not the only one. We've all done it. So Katie is our guest. Katie is a beautiful mom of four boys and is poised and elegant and so confident. And she just oozes her love of Jesus with everything she says and does. Grab a tissue for this one and maybe a blanket and a cup of coffee. Here is Katie. I am Katie Harmon, identical twin. (laughs) I come from a big family of six. Mike would tell you that I'm a rock star stay-at-home mom. He's going to listen to the podcast and he told me to say that. So, (laughs) (laughs) Stay-at-home mom to four crazy, awesome, unique, wild little dudes. But it's a good time. I have three boys. Boy mom. Yeah, boy mom. Boy mom. Unite. I got it. Um, Oh, that's great. We're so happy that you're sharing with us tonight. Um, Tell us just a little bit. We'll start at the very beginning. Tell us about where you grew up and um, what your home life was like. We grew up in a little beach town called Jupiter, Florida, just outside of West Palm Beach. It's a great little beach town. Now looking back on it, it was awesome. We grew up going to the beach, hanging out, lots of fun, just a very active lifestyle. There were four siblings also in my family, so lots of craziness, adventures, you mentioned that you have an identical twin. She's here. Yes, she's here. You can't miss her. They look just alike. (laughs) (laughs) I got my support team with me. Um, So what was it like for you growing up with an identical twin sister? It was incredible. Um, Up until about fifth grade, then I really struggled with identity, and she knows this. Um, Mom dressed us alike. I swear I would never do that. Y'all, my four boys come to church. Y'all have seen them. They're all just alike. <laughs> Can't help it. What's up with that? <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was great. You always, I always had my comfort zone. Beth is an extrovert. I'm an introvert. So wherever we went, I had Beth by my side. She was my buffer. She would walk and she'd be like, hey, I'm Beth. Here's the party. I'm here for the party. I'm like, hey, I'm here with her. <laughs> So you said until fifth grade. What happened Yeah, in fifth grade? until fifth grade. I think I really struggled with my identity in fifth grade. At that point, I wanted to have, I wanted to be Katie. I didn't want to be, hey, it's Beth and Katie, you know, at the same time. So even though I loved being a twin, I really struggled with who am I? What am I 
who's Katie? What does she look like? What's, what are my traits? What are my, what's my personality? Who am I supposed to be outside of or apart from Beth? So fifth grade is when you started to Fifth grade. Feel I that really inner felt struggle. this, yes, this inner turmoil of, I want to I wanna be me. I don't want to dress alike. I don't want to, like, I love you. I want to hang out. Mm-hmm. But where's my group of friends? How do I identify myself? Mm-hmm. Did your family, grade? did y'all go to church? or what was We did. We grew up in the church. And I remember in fifth grade, and maybe that's why the conflict struggled at fifth grade. But I remember in fifth grade, we were in VBS. And we were sitting there, and the pastor had this, like, chemistry beacon set. Have y'all seen this before, the chemistry beacon set? She told me about this. I'd never heard of it before. It's very cool. So cool. (laughs) So they have a little beaker up there with clear water in it, and then they take a couple chemical drops and put it in, and then the water turns black. It's to represent sin. And then they take a couple more drops and put it in, and it turns red for the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Then they take another couple drops and put it in, and then the whole beaker turns white. Not cloudy, crystal clear white to show how the blood of Jesus washes away all of our sin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want that. Mm -hmm. I need that. I don't want my heart to be dirty or black or yucky. I I need Jesus. And so I remember asking then to have my parents. I was like, I want to get baptized. I'm pretty sure I know what this means now. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to have a yucky heart. I want to be a good girl with a clean heart. <laughs> so that was when you met Jesus. Yes, that, like, that is when I met Jesus. Yeah, in mm-hmm. fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So then after that, what did, what did that look like? The struggle kept on. Um, I still really wanted to set myself apart, but didn't know what that looked like. So I would look for this group of friends or that group of friends to help kind of identify myself with. Well, mm-hmm. what are they like? I want to be like them. So how can I change something about me to be like them? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy because growing up, we were picked on a lot for, <laughs> we had our growth you spurt. You and Beth? Yes, we had our growth spurt really early. So we were like, the tall girls and everyone else is like down here. And so it was Daddy Long Legs, Big Bird, Too Tall Jones, oh. Jelly Green Giant. I mean, I could go on with the list. Oh, man. <laughs> so I just, I struggled with my identity, my looks, but I still wanted to be friends with all the people who were saying these things about us because Beth had her confidence and she's always been so brave and bold and I haven't and I was just looking for all of that. Mm-hmm. What is going to fill me up? What am, where am I going to find who I am? Mm-hmm. And, and so just hanging out with them, even though I knew Christ, it was really hard for me. And then a little while later, we left the church and started looking for some other places. And pretty soon it was just easier to sleep in on Sunday mornings. Yeah. So you had met Jesus in fifth grade, yes. but you weren't necessarily being discipled or anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. So then let's fast forward to like high school. What, what does high school look like for Katie? High school had gotten, I guess I was okay going into high school because I had a brother. Our older brother was leaving high school as we were coming in. Mm-hmm. So we knew some people. So it didn't seem so daunting. It was a school of thousands. It was a huge school. But I still, I still battled. I still mm-hmm. didn't know who I was. I wanted to find some new friends. So I was still trying to cling with the kids that were in elementary school, to middle school, and then to high school. And so there's, high school's like a melting pot. You have several schools feeding in middle schools coming in. So you have all these new people. So I have my group of friends and trying to meet out with another group of friends. And that was hard. I remember junior year, I mean, sophomore year, before we moved, there was, everyone was talking to me like, oh, have you had, have you had sex yet? Like, mm. oh my gosh, girl, you haven't lost your virginity? Like, 
That is so in the old days. Mm. And so I just remember feeling an immense pressure, pressure mm-hmm. from everyone. I'd be like, I don't, what are y'all talking about? Like, we were sophomores in high school. <laughs> We've got time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> so you felt that pressure? Yes, well. I felt that pressure. And I wound up meeting someone in high school. And we started dating. And just the pressure got even more now that I had a boyfriend. Mm. And I was like, gosh, seriously? And so I wound up sleeping with him and lost my virginity. As a sophomore. As a sophomore. And I was like, oh, God, that's what sex is like. Y'all can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> we'll have to recover from that for just a second. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome, Katie. Um, um, <laughs> So you just mentioned a second ago, this was before you moved. So when, so if there's a move somewhere. Yes, that was sophomore year and we moved up here, uh, or uh, not here, Asheville, North Carolina. My dad transferred with his job and so moved the whole family to Asheville. And when you were how old? I was 17. Okay. So you were a junior? Yes. I was going into my junior year. Okay. Yeah. That's a hard, that's a hard time to make a change like that. How was that? Was that difficult? It was, oh yeah. Yeah. We were looking at houses, and my mom and dad were, and I remember sitting on the electrical box. I was like, I'm not moving here. Yeah. <laughs> I had just settled. Like, I had worked so hard to become in this crowd and to be accepted by them and yeah. one of them and mm-hmm. find out who I am in them. Mm-hmm. And now you're plucking me out of this and moving me to school like a cup from a couple of thousand to a couple hundred. Not to mention you're like leaving like this awesome beach town. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> to go to the mountains. I That's mean, Asheville is super yeah. cool now, y'all. It was not a cool town when we first moved there. <laughs> Asheville. Just Asheville. It wasn't. It is pretty cool But now. it is now. Yeah, now it is for yeah. sure. But it was, yeah. So what was the hardest thing you think about the move? The hardest thing, I think because I had in my mind... Like, I'm going to Florida State. I'm going to go with these girls. I got my group of girls. I'm going off to college. Mm. Like, I had my life planned out. I was going to walk on at Florida State and try to make their soccer team. And, mm. like, I had goals. I knew what I wanted. And so to uproot all that and to go away, yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. And then to, f- again, two new girls, not just one, but two new girls in a mm. really small school of yeah. just a couple hundred. We stuck out Still like a sore thumb. Yeah. <laughs> So then all the things that we struggled with when we were younger came right back. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really hard. I remember one girl looking at me and like, gosh, you wouldn't believe the things we said about you until I got to know you. I was wow. Like, ah, ah. like, thanks for that. Awesome. <laughs> thanks for your candor. Thanks for that. Oh, man. So after um, high school, did you go to Florida State? Or? I did not go off to Florida State. My parents wanted us to do a two-year community college before we committed to a university. Okay. And that again, I was like, Mom, I don't want to go. And she knows. She was like, no, but this, my dad was like, community college is a good entrance. And she, I was like, I need to be on the soccer team. I need to be at Florida State. Mm. But it, it worked out. Um, and so we went there because out-of-state tuition is crazy anyways, especially for two going at the same exact time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we went to the community college, and that is probably where my downfall began, the pit. Okay. Really so take us sort of how okay. did that start? Walking in, I remember a couple months in, I had met a guy. He was sitting there, and he showed interest in me. And for me to be like, oh, someone showed interest in me, <laughs> Hey, mm-hmm. um, but he showed interest in me, and then we started talking, and then he wanted to date, and so we started dating. Um, he had 
previously had a daughter from a high school girlfriend. Mm. And I loved her. She was a sweet little girl. Mm. I connected with her instantly because I've always loved kids. Mm. And then we dated for years, probably a year in to our relationship, I wound up getting pregnant. Mm. Dang it, yo, I need to come up here with some tissues. I know. <laughs> <laughs> some, oh, Beth, oh, twin sister. She's got her covered. <laughs> Beth, I might need one too. <laughs> um, all right, so you got pregnant. So I got pregnant, and he was like, no, you, can, you cannot have this baby. You can't. And I think I was, I was just so young and naive. I believe that what he said had to be it because I was in my first adult relationship, you know, or what I thought was an adult relationship. And he was like, no, you cannot, you cannot have this baby. You can't. He said, my family will disown you. Your family will disown you. I will not be with you anymore. I'll have to leave. I can't afford another baby and I can't have you and another baby. Hmm. And he's like, you need to have an abortion. <laughs> that wrecked me. Here I was with someone who I thought said that they loved me. And they can have a child with someone else, but I'm not good enough to be their their child's mother. Like I'm I'm not good enough to be loved the way I am, what what God is giving us clearly. Um and he was like, no, you can't. You cannot have this baby, and I will leave you. I won't support you. I know you're a family, and just think how ashamed your family will be of you, and my mom and dad will be so ashamed of you. And I believed him. I believed him. And so I went to the abortion clinic. cold metal table I was shaking y'all I was like (laughs) my whole body was convulsing because I knew it's something I didn't want to do most people grow up in their lives little girls pretend about their wedding day or getting married I never did that but I knew I wanted kids and now I'm not worthy enough to be a mom and he says I can't be a mom and he won't be there for me and who are the shaking and screaming I'm doing on the table because I don't want to be doing what I'm doing. I hear the nurse say, oh my God, what's wrong with her? I've never seen anyone do this before. And the doctor's like, shh, we need to get this done. And I'll never forget the way she said it, so cold and so ugly. And then when they're done, they just put you in this room all by yourself. And so all these lies that I hear Satan telling me, oh, your family's gonna disown you. I'm gonna, he's gonna disown you. No one will be there for you. you. This is your only option. Like that, he turned on me. It was, you're worthless. You deserve to die. No one will ever love you now. You're just garbage. And so I just I sank. I went into the deepest pit I've ever been in. I remember I told Beth, I went to the store and I bought a fifth of liquor and I turned it up because I just wanted to numb the pain. I wanted all the voices in my head to just shut up and go away. Hey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you've been through that. What, 
What did you, where did you go from there, after? Well, I jumped from one pit into another deeper, darker pit. I found myself going out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, drinking, partying, doing anything I could do as a distraction to escape from what I had done, to escape the reality of the horror that I just lived through. And a little while into just all the craziness and all the cloud and fog, I met someone else. And instead of like the first person who just would like bait and hook, bait and hook, you know, he'd be there when he wanted something and then leave me dangling and then call later. This guy was all about physical attention. And even though I wasn't looking for him, I wasn't looking, I mean, he was... I wasn't attracted to him, but I was attracted to the fact that he wanted and desired me. And he was proud to have me on his arm as arm candy. It was just nice to be wanted for once and to be seen. And he wasn't ashamed of me in public or trying to hide me. But that relationship went from him adoring me to possessive really, really fast. It became violent, aggressive, abusive, one point, he said, if you leave me, I will show up on your doorstep and I will blow out my brains and it will be your fault and your family will have to clean it up. And all kinds of other things. And then I found out one night that he was selling drugs. He did it right in front of me. And I thought, what the ever-loving heck is going on here? Like, you're not taking me down that road. And I think this is several years in, and then it finally clicked. I'm like, maybe he's doing drugs, and that's the reason for the erratic, crazy, psychotic behavior. Mm. Because he wasn't like that when we first got together. I think maybe that, yeah, there was a shift. Mm. And God, he must have given me the courage to just speak up because I was. I just started being like, you're not doing that around me. Why? How could you be doing that? I just started being vocal, like I don't want that around me. I don't. I don't know, maybe he got tired of it. But then I was like, God, I, I need a way out. <laughs> I need a way out. I could feel him starting to move within me again. And it was so silent for so long. But there was just this gravity pulling me out of this relationship. Mm. Beth Moore describes it so beautifully. She, she says divine gravity is like God revealing a vast intensity towards you where he's stirring in your heart and he's just pulling you just pulling it was you. Pursuit. You it was pursuit. It was pursuit. I would feel it, but I, I couldn't quite register, but I knew there was something. I had to do something away from him. Mm-hmm. And finally, he, he walked away. Thank God. By God's divine grace, he walked away. He made the choice. To he away. made the choice to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget I ran upstairs. My mom will never forget either. I ran upstairs, turned off the lights hid behind my door and I just rocked in the dark like this just holding my knees curled up to my chest I was like God God and I, 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 you gotta be real I know you're real like keep him away from me don't let him show up on my doorstep don't let him do all the things that he said he's gonna do I'm finally free of him please don't and that I mean my poor mom what I put her through to have to see your daughter go through something like that and it crush you I'm so sorry So where did Jesus meet you in this? Oh, 
This is a good I get so good. The next morning, I woke up. I remember just climbing out of my bed. And I just sat on my knees by my bed. Fell face first into the mattress. And y'all, I just wept. I just wept. I was like, God, I cannot do this anymore. This is clearly not what you designed for me. Like, I remember you as a little girl. Yeah. I remember those seeds you planted. I remember all the stories that learned about you. There's got to be something more, and I want it. I'm done. I just, I laid in my bed, and I said, God, I surrender. I surrender. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to I'm going to kill myself. I'm just going to go down a path of self-destruction. I feel you. I feel you pulling me. I surrender. I lay it down. I said, I don't. I said, don't you bring another man in my life. <laughs> I said, I want to date you. I just want to know you. I said, I want to pursue you. I said, I want to date you. I want to know what your word says. I want to know who you are. I feel you. I want to know who you are. You had a hunger. I had a hunger and a thirst like I've never known before. Yeah. I just, it was just like there's a rush through my body that I can't explain. And I just had to have more. I knew there's more. I wanted more. Yeah. And I walked downstairs. Mama, I love you. She was in the kitchen getting breakfast ready. And I was like, I think I want to go to church. And she was saying, she's like, really? I mean, really? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to contain herself like, praise Jesus. She finally woke up. Yes, I did. Mm. His divine story. He's stirring my soul, mama. He's turned my pot. So you've mentioned before that you met Jesus in fifth grade. Yes. And then there was no discipleship really from that point on. So having never been discipled and not really knowing, I'm I'm sure you didn't have a lot of knowledge, like what did surrender look like? Where did you, what did you do to get? To me, what surrender looked like was my identity is in you. It's not in who I think I am. It's not in what he thinks I am or what she thinks I am. It's not in this relationship. I keep looking for these relationships to feel this void, the void that was only meant for a vertical relationship between mm. you and my daddy, yeah. me and my daddy. Um, and so surrendering was, I was for real. I don't want another man in my life. <laughs> like, I don't want any distractions this way. Mm-hmm. I just want to focus upwards to you. I mm-hmm. just want to know what your word says. So mm-hmm. surrender of, I'm laying down the reins. I'm letting you pick them up. And I'm letting you guide me. Mm. Because I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know how. Clearly, it's been miserable up until this point. Yeah. So. Trying to do it on your own, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing how we try to do that. Yes. doesn't work. Clearly so where, stubborn. where did he guide you? How did, what did that look like? He guided me to a church in Asheville called Biltmore Baptist. Okay. And I had known some girls who had talked about Biltmore Baptist before, and they said they had a massive singles group for people my age and young, young adults. And that they had a lot going on. There was a lot of things that I could get involved in. And so that piqued my interest. But I told mom, I said, first, let's just go to Sunday mm-hmm. service. And we walk in and we sit down that first Sunday. <laughs> what a good mama she is. She sees the bulletin. She sees upward soccer. She's like, 
You've played your whole life. It's kids. She's doing this number up on me. You should sign up. You should sign up. I was like, whoa, mama. It's like, the first Sunday. First Sunday. My butt's back in the pew. Pull back the reins yeah. there. But she kept persisting like a gentle, loving mother does. Mm-hmm. And so several months in, I was like, all right, mom. I'm at peace about it. I'm all in. I'll, I'll go for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I went for a meeting and I signed up to be a coach. And that's where... God's grace just abounds, y'all. Mm, he's so good. Y'all ever just love Jesus so much? You're just like, mm, 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 mm. You know what I'm saying? I know what I you're saying. <laughs> I do. I was there. That's just kind of the, I yeah. just wanted to snuggle up like, hey, can I get, yeah. can I just wrap me up? I love it. It's amazing. It's just, that's how I felt. And yeah. so. So up to your coaching, upward soccer. Up into the coaching my first practice out, y'all, the Lord has a good sense of humor. His plan is not our plan. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> We're at practice, and I'm coaching my kids. I'm in my groove. And then something catches my eye over here, and I'm like, ooh, dang, that man is fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked right up to heaven. I was like, uh-uh, no. And like, you just I told said, you, no I just men. told you, no. Like, <laughs> I'm not playing. Come on. <laughs> so the next week goes by. I'm not thinking about him. I'm tunnel vision. A girl that I had worked with gave me a Charles Stanley series, just a different devotional of each book of the Bible and how to break it down. Okay. And I was like, this is fabulous. Mm. Just eating up God's word. Yeah. And so that was busy doing all week. That was my spare time. It was no longer going out to the bars or the clubs. It was sitting at home on my bed, just soaking it all in. Mm. Week number two comes around, and we're at practice with my kids. Something catches my eye again, and he's there again. I'm like, still fine. <laughs> Lord, I told you no. Like, Come on. Help a sister out. That was for real. <laughs> Mike comes trotting over. You know him. I Mr. 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 Here, I here I come. <laughs> Outgoing, bright grin. He's, he's like, hey, I'm Mike. I was like, hi, okay. Okay, Katie. <laughs> Y'all, smooth, right? I can't imagine you being anything but confident, but whatever. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was like, smooth, Catherine, so smooth. So I go to leave, and he won't let me leave. He's like, hey, pulls me over again. He's like, we have this thing at church I want to invite you to, y'all. It's called The Well. Can you even, y'all? This was the single thing. This is the single yeah. thing. He's, That's crazy. Come the well. He's like, I think you should come. We have an incredible time. We have an amazing speaker, time of worship, time of reflection. Mm-hmm. He's like, also, there is this girl I think you should meet. I was like, hold up. This dude has known me for all of two seconds, and he is making a friend suggestion like he knows me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, for real. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet her sometime. It worked out so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's fabulous. She, Katie also, grew up in South Florida also, played soccer also, wow. went to Florida State. Wow. My age, just had a hunger for the Lord. Oh, man. And just, God is in and all the And he suggested this without knowing anything about it. And he suggested this without knowing Yeah, that's amazing. And so, as I'm sitting here talking to him, thinking, well, you're crazy, <laughs> but you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all didn't catch that. He's fine. <laughs> God, I love y'all, man. He, um, he just kept talking, and I was like, wow. I just, again, another rush. 
and I don't even know how to describe it other than it was like a rush and just a God was like, this is the man you're going to marry. Mike's talking, and I'm in the back of my mind. You know how we have lots of conversations going on at once? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, what? what? Hold up. I told you, no, guys. You introduced him, and now you're telling me I'm going to marry him? What? <laughs> Long story short, I called my mom, and I said, I just met the man I'm going to marry. Wow. She was like, Daddy and I are home. Come tell us all about him. Oh. It was one of those moments. It was so cheesy, but it's so how I felt. <laughs> I came, I came home and sat on their bed, and I just, just put my arms out, and I just fell back into it. I was like, oh, mm. it was glorious. <laughs> Man. After, this is after one conversation? One conversation. One conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and, and then a, a y'all few months. see her mom and sister. They're up, they're up here holding hands, just smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> I know. Okay, go on. So oh, a few so months what? into us talking and getting to know each other and hanging out, he's like, can I tell you something crazy? And I was like, I don't go crazy. Go ahead. So wait, are y'all dating or are you? This is, we had decided that we were not going to date because we had both come from promiscuous past. Okay. We were not going to date until we really felt like that was the person we were going to marry. Okay. We were going to get to know each other in a group setting mm-hmm. full of accountability in the midst of a Christ-centered relationship based on a firm foundation. And we were both upfront in telling each other that. And I thought, wow, God, this is what I wanted. Like, yeah. this is what I yearned for. I never asked you for it, but it's what I wanted in my heart. Yeah. But God knows those things. Yeah. He knows every precious love and detail of you. Yeah, and so to see him in the midst of all these details, I just just want to gush all the time. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was definitely a God thing. And he said... I have to tell you that when we walked away from that first meeting, he said, I got in the car and I called my mom and I told her I met the woman I was going to marry. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's like a storybook. (laughs) It's amazing. Oh man. So, so y'all got to know each other in a group setting and then eventually you started to date? Yes, we did. We hung out with the singles at the well all the time Mm -hmm. in a group setting. And then I wound up becoming very close with Kate and a couple of the other girls. The girl who he introduced you to. Yes. And we clicked right away, and we started an accountability group. And he had his group of guys, and he started an accountability group. And so we'd hang out all together as a group, and then apart just a little bit. But he, we made a rule that if we were going to start dating, it was based on a battle plan. And the battle plan came from the girls would text me when I was alone with him, and the guys would text him when he was alone with me if we had a dinner date. Yeah. And the dinner date had to end pretty early. There was no staying late at someone's house all by ourselves mm. because we knew at that point we wanted to get married, but we wanted to honor God. And I had such a terrible past. I had nothing left. Yeah. Like, how do you honor God? But with my obedience, I had to be obedient. And it was so important for both of us to say, mm. we're going to do this. We're going to do it right because we've both come from pain and shame not bringing that into our marriage, but we're not bringing it into our home. We've got to lay it down at Jesus' feet and say, we've got nothing left to give but our obedience. It's an act of obedience. Here's, our, here's our gift yeah. back to you. So help us to honor that. Mm-hmm. And so they would, they would text us when we were ever alone. And it was great. I'd get a buzz on my phone like, yeah. girl, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> His guys would be like, Keep it straight there, Harmon. Cool it off. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. so great. That's a, that's a beautiful act of obedience to have a plan and 
follow it. So at what point when you're dating did you share with Mike what you had been through? I had been going to a Bible study. This is probably, probably dated for, in a group setting for probably three or four months before we decided that it was just the two of us yeah. and we were gonna move this thing to the next level. And it was probably about that point, that point that we solidified our feeling in relationship with one another that I said, I've gotta tell him. But I was like, no, I don't gotta tell him, but I do gotta tell him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at a Bible study learning about David. And I was like, man, here's this awesome, incredible man who is after God's own heart and he loves the Lord with all his heart. Mm. And he has a past. Yeah. But Jesus loves him and calls him his own. Like, it's okay. Mm. Jesus paid it all for me on the cross. But he covered it. He covered it. My sin and my shame was so great and so heavy. But it's as if God said, baby girl, I love you so much. I sent my son and put him in the midst in between this cosmic crossfire And my son, my perfect lamb, absorbed your wrath. I crushed my son for you. It's overwhelming. I'm in awe. He takes my breath away. It's like he just scooped me up out of this pit. And he just cleaned me off. And he covered me in the most plush, luscious robe and scooped me up into his lap and said, I got you, baby girl. I got you. Come on. And I knew after I made that correlation with David, like, he's got me too. Yeah. He's got me. Like, I'm his baby girl. I'm his. I, I can tell Mike. Mm-hmm. And if Mike is the man that I believe his, he is with his past too, he'll accept me. So I went and I met him at the indoor soccer center and I waited for his game to finish and I was like, boom, my heart was pounding on my chest. I was like, I gotta go tell this man. (laughs) But I did. We were just the two of us out back and I I shared with him my whole story because I didn't, I didn't want to come into a marriage carrying baggage that didn't need to come into my marriage. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to know me fully and completely Mm -hmm. so that he could choose to love me in spite of what I had done. That he would know everything about me. And he looked at me. He said, come here. Come here. He said, I chose you and I still choose you. God loves you and I love you. And he just wrapped me up and he hugged me. And he said, I love you. And what it was a, so sweet. What an earthly picture of, of grace. Of God's grace. Yeah. It was just another way of Jesus saying, baby girl, I got you. Yeah. You're wrapped. You're covered. I paid it all. Yeah. Like you are mine. Let me show you how I love now. You were looking in all the wrong places. Let me show you, baby, how I love. Yeah. Sweet. That's beautiful. So... Obviously, the rest is history. You married mm-hmm. four boys. <laughs> I mean, praise the Lord. He opened my womb. Yeah. Again and again and again and again. I get to be a mom yeah. four times over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
now here we are in the present. We've got your husband and your kids. How you mentioned earlier about obedience being mm. all you had left in the yeah. at the beginning of your relationship, all you had left to give. So how do you obey every day? How do you what does that look like for you? Well before I came here, you had asked me to jog. Yeah. So obedience in my life was making some hard steps and I told you I can't share publicly before all you beautiful women without sharing with my family because my family doesn't know. And I need to be obedient, I feel like, and give my parents and my lovely mother-in-law and sister-in-law the respect of sharing my story with them. So I felt like in order, before I could do this, I had to take another step of obedience and share with my family. Mm -hmm. And they both, all of them, were just so gracious and so loving and my mom and my sister just held my hand the whole time and cried and said I'm sorry I wasn't there for you I'm sorry that you didn't think that we could be there for you and I was like it's it's not y'all I I believe the lies I believe the stronghold I was in a pit it, it's not y'all but they covered me with grace I was afraid to share my family I'm like I can't hurt my family like that they're like it's okay it's okay. Let me know. You're covered. And this was recently, you guys. Recently. This was recently. last September. Katie yeah. and I had a conversation about potentially her sharing at the well, and she said, "Yeah, I feel God calling me to do this, but yeah. I, have to, I have to share with yeah. my family well, It was first. September 23rd, and Pastor George talked on sex outside of marriage causes pain and shame. And the first time I was like, yes, preach it, brother. Yes, it does. <laughs> Taking notes like crazy. And then Kathy Banks shared at the, the well that night. And I had so many similarities. And I was like, wow, what a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was she like, is. What? She's here. She's somewhere. <laughs> and I was just so inspired by what she said that I went up to her. And I tried to tell her how much I appreciated it. But I could barely get the words out. And that's when I ran around the back. And I was like, Wusa, Wusa, Wusa. It's like so nervous because I knew it was in that moment the Lord was like you're going to do this I'm like uh uh-uh. uh nice try nope <laughs> and so he was just stirring in my heart that I had to share my story and then I've closed my devotion that I was just reading about being genuine and authentic and sharing your past with someone else and you called the moment I closed my devotional and said hey you want to share it the well <laughs> I was like Come on, Lord. It's a little fast. <laughs> All right. So that's when I told you I had to go share with my family because I, I needed to do that step. And then I had to share with my dad, yeah. which I think was the hardest because I've always been a daddy's girl. And to share something like that with your dad, y'all. And when I got done sharing with my dad, he just paused for a moment of silence. And then he looked at me and he said, baby, I have to tell you, I'm sorry. And I was like, what? He said, I'm I'm sorry. Because I feel like I failed you as a father because I didn't disciple you. Mm. And he said, that's on me as your father. I'm called to disciple you. And I didn't. And I'm sorry. And I was like, I came to document my story. I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't looking for an apology, but what a beautiful picture yeah. for him to sit up there as a man of God and say, like, 
this is on me. I accept part of this. And then he just hugged me. One of them hugs, y'all, where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. And he's like, no, (laughs) bring it in. I'll let go. (laughs) Let go. And it was just, again, he's like, I love you. I'm proud of you for telling me. Mm. (laughs) I just melted to know that I'm so loved and I'm so covered. Again, it's just like, baby, I told you I got you. (laughs) It's just, just, you know, just want to wrap up. And his lap is so good. Y'all, so, okay, I'm going to read something from the Bible. Mm. In Luke, the story of the sinful woman. I was reading this recently, and y'all, if this is not Katie Harmon, I don't know anything. Listen to this. This is Luke 7, 36 through 50. I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So when you're describing the way you feel about Jesus, I mean, this is, I just can't help but, see you in this, the joy. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but the joy that you have that so clearly comes from him, mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I just, when I hear you speak, it's like you just want to sit at his feet and just let yes. him cover you. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful um, correlation, I feel like, from her story to yours. And in Mark, Jesus references this woman again, saying that wherever the gospel is preached, when people remember me, they'll remember her also. So for her story to be referenced in that way, it's just a beautiful picture of brokenness being covered. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how would you, how are you like the woman at the well? Let's shift to her for a little bit. Oh, why am I not like her? <laughs> In the beginning, I think 
living in fear and living in shame. I too was like her coming out to the well on the hottest part of the day because I came to Shandon and I knew I was a believer, but somehow I hadn't quite experienced full freedom. Mm-hmm. And I was still living under the suppression and the thumb of Satan, listening to his lies in my ear like, y'all, that's great. You can go to church, but you can't really connect with anyone because if they knew your past, you wouldn't be accepted. And so I had been coming here for so long, but we would be Sunday morning attenders. But I yearned for more. It's that divine, beautiful gravity. And Jesus says, I got something more for you. I got something more for you. And so Mike and I were talking about it, and we were like, no, we need to take that next step of obedience. We need to get plugged back into a Sunday school and start having community, because Christ calls us to community. And so that's when you, beautiful Andrew, was like, hey, she kept pursuing me. Y'all want to come to our Sunday school class? And I was like, yeah. And so I texted her, I think this uh, the night before we came, I was like, we're really doing it this time. <laughs> we're coming. Let me see there. We're getting these boys ready and we're going to yeah. be <laughs> And so we came and we loved getting plugged in. And over the past 18 months, I think that I am more of her now where she left the jar and she went running. Yeah. I'm in that phase now. Over the last 18 months, I have experienced this liberating, Christ-filled, most precious freedom I've ever known in my life. Mm -hmm. Because now, just the way the pastor preaches every Sunday, I'm like, he's speaking right to me. And then the way that this church is not just filled with believers, but y'all, they are the hands and feet of Jesus. They don't talk just about it, but they are living proof examples of the feet in Jesus. And the way that they come alongside you and love you and pray over you and have grace, abounding grace through Jesus Christ to just cover you and love on you. And the well, what the well has done over this past year for my soul. I was telling Sarah Helmadar, I was like, it touches my soul every time I come. Like, I feel almost selfish now that I cannot miss because I know what it's going to do for me. Like, Jesus is going to meet me there. And he's just going to fill me. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to taste of his goodness. And then the Sunday where we wrote on the popsicle six, the names of people who might have hurt us or keeping holding bondage over us, I got chills, y'all, across the whole auditorium, everyone breaking their bondage. And it was, I had said I had forgiven them in the past, but the physical act of breaking it, I was finally able to not just forgive them, I could forgive myself. Yeah. And Jesus is like, I've got you fully, baby. I've got you now live in freedom. Mm-hmm. Tell the devil, nope, not today. Not today. <laughs> not today. Yeah. And so finally, for the first time, I feel like I done left my jar and everything else with it. See y'all yeah, later. I'm running. I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> y'all running. come on down. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's where I feel like I'm at now. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I know exactly who Katie Harmon is because I know exactly who my precious Savior is. <laughs> I know what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. I'm in all of his goodness. It is ridiculously good, y'all. I do not deserve it day in and day out. And to just watch where he meets us and to see it over and over again. I don't know. Long story. That's, that's where I feel like I am now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet family. Um, so I want to ask you about one more thing because 
you mentioned that your sweet daddy, when you told him your story, that he responded with an apology for not discipling you. Like, what, what do you believe about discipling, like, the next generation? Like, your kids and others. It is so important for Mike and I to disciple our boys. I mean, whether we had girls or boys, but to disciple them. And what discipleship looks like, it's even in the mundane things. It's when you're at home and you're playing or you're having conversations or y'all are being silly. It's creating that environment of love and joy and trust so that they want to come to you with a bigger thing so that when they're ready to ask those bigger things, they feel safe and secure and like, Mommy, Daddy, have my back. So being an example of grace so that they feel that grace and can then give that grace to set that foundation, to start with, go back to baby, what does God's word say about it? Here's what we believe. Here's what God says and we're covered. And to just share that with them, to give them that foundation so that when they are growing and for us to have a battle plan to say, there's gonna be temptations, there's gonna be situations and times in life where we go through and it's gonna be easy to kind of slide off that wagon or do what we want a little bit, but to be like, no, no. This is priority number one. We're both living representations of God's grace and what it means like to fall off the cart and how important it is to stay on that solid foundation. So for us to just create a battle plan to say, we're going to do this and we're going to do it as a family and every day to just, through all walks of life. And it's even living sin, like what the pastor's been talking about. For me, it's live sin first and foremost in our home because that's our immediate area of mission. God calls us to disciple to our family first and foremost, then to go out from there. So then to let them see us as part of a community where we go and we do things and we volunteer and we're a part of a, we're part of such a bigger picture, a more beautiful picture than just ourselves. And so, yeah. so this morning, um, I was at home with a sick kid, but I was watching online and George said from the pulpit, when the gospel gets a hold of your heart, you will live the mission. Yeah. And I feel like that you just said about like you're in the running phase. Like I've left yeah. the jar. I'm going. <laughs> I mean, it's because the gospel is yes, gotten a hold of your heart. And yeah. It's just you can't. I can't. You can't not. not do it. So my next step of running and living sent is with Daybreak Ministries. Yeah. So I'm going to live sent in my community. I've never mourned the loss of my child. And I need to do that. I need to heal. Yeah. I need to meet God in his word again and let him wash over me. I need to let him heal me. I need to let him show me what to do next. But then to go and be able to take the next step and say, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. As, as another girl or another woman walks in and say, hey, beautiful, yeah. I'm here. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. To be there, to be a rock. To say, I've been where you've been. Yeah. Let me help you. That's beautiful. All right, Katie Harmon. So you talked at the beginning about identity and not knowing who you were growing up. Now, today, knowing what you know about Jesus, tell me, who is Katie Harmon? I am beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully made in the image of my awesome creator. I am his baby girl. I am awkward and quirky sometimes. <laughs> I like to get my Jesus jam on, even though I can't really carry a tune. <laughs> I like to have fun, and I'm a rumbling, tumbling, WrestleMania mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but I'm, I'm me. I'm fully the woman I feel like God has called and created me to be. And I can live and say, oh, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> you know, here I am because here he is with me. Yeah. Do you know? Just, and I hate the fact that I'm 38 and I'm just finding full freedom. Mm-hmm. I thought I had freedom, but I'm just now living it. But it's all good because I am soaking it in. <laughs> it is so good. So y'all, Katie and I talked about this beforehand, but we're just gonna, so we have known each other for a long time. Yes. How many, like, oh, wow. Maybe like 11 or, yeah, 12-ish years, something like that. We met, we worked together a long time ago. Yeah. And in the last two months, we have just shared our stories with with one another. Yes. And I just, we just want to encourage y'all, like, that's what this is about, like, Grab your girlfriend and go get coffee, go get dinner, go yes. get dessert and say, tell me your story. Tell me where you've struggled. Tell yes. me where you're struggling today. And I, I feel like I've had this sweet friend for 11 years that I've known, Yeah. but I feel like I finally know her. Yeah. And it, it, it just makes all the difference. Like we can't help each other if we don't right. share. Let yeah, let your sisters love on you. Yeah. Give them a chance to show you God's grace. Give them a chance to wrap you up and say, yeah. mm, it is so good, you know, to get to know someone. And yeah. think about how much power you can have with you and the Holy Spirit is with the two of you. And then you claim that freedom. Y'all, I want you to claim that freedom with every breath and every ounce of me to let Jesus wash over you. Please don't leave here tonight yeah. without just saying, not today, Satan. Mm. Not today. Yeah. And if you have anything, yeah. our God went to the cross by way of his son, Jesus Christ, and paid it all and still chose to put you in this earth because he's got a plan for you, a bigger plan. You are his baby girl. Let him wrap you up and meet you in that place. Meet a girlfriend. Share your story. Please experience that freedom that he's got for you because it is so good and let him just wash over you. Mm-hmm. It has been incredible. It's been the most experience outside of salvation. It has been the most amazing experience to get to walk this walk with you yeah. and all these other women from the women's team and let them say, I've got you. Send yeah. me texts, send me messages and to know that they know my baggage and they still love me. Yeah. What a picture of God's grace that y'all have given me. Mm-hmm. He's blown my ever-loving mind. <laughs> oh, thank you, Katie. Can we give Katie a round of applause? When Katie told us her story to prep for this month, I was completely struck with her statement. All we had left was obedience. The simplest things are the most profound. There it is, pure and simple, obedience. What does God ask of us? Obedience. We are the ones that overcomplicated. We say things like, but, but, and what if, and I could just do this part myself. We make it so hard. Obedience. We struggle with trying to make sense of everything. We struggle with why God has us in this part of our life with this struggle. We struggle with waiting and not knowing or understanding. Obedience. We are children of God. And as His children, we are called to trust our Heavenly Father. We are not Superman. We are not God. We are His children. 
All we have left is obedience. Why are you not being obedient right now, today? Katie set an amazing example in her obedience. She and her husband laid out some pretty impressive ground rules for their dating. Obedience is simple, but it isn't easy. We are going to mess up. But because of His grace and mercy, we start fresh every day. Look at what is promised on the other side of obedience. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Deuteronomy 5.33 That's some old-fashioned, Old Testament truth right there. Walk in obedience so that you may live and prosper. See you guys next month.